Hey guys, this is Wellness Weekly on Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM. Join hosts Rachel Kukaji and Director of Health Services Brock Latz as they talk with health professionals about their areas of expertise to give you tips on how to live well in every aspect of your life. You can also catch this episode on Spotify if you miss it on the radio. Hello and welcome back to Wellness Weekly. We're back from our spring break and I'm Rachel Kukaji. And I'm Brock Lutz. Today we are here with Dr. Chris Netley, the chiropractor at Hillsdale College Health Services. He just started with us last fall. So thank you for coming on and breaking in with our new show here today. And if you could just tell us a bit about your background and what you do at Hillsdale. Thanks for having me. I'm a chiropractor. I'm also a certified chiropractic sports physician. So it's a postdoctorate distinction. So it's a board, an extra board certification that I did after I graduated, uh, which basically just means that I have extra training working with athletes. And uh, it, it applies to all people, not just athletes, but looking at every patient from a more, mm-hmm. um, I guess, athletic perspective. Uh, I'm also a certified strength and conditioning specialist through the National Strength and Conditioning Association. So that would be, uh, it's like if you were going to go apply for a job as like a collegiate strength coach or work with like a professional team, that's kind of like uh, at that, that's kind of like the base level that you would need uh, for strength and conditioning. So Mm. that's my background. Why would you say that it's important when you look at health services and you think, okay, we're there to help people figure out how to be healthy. Why is what you do an important part of that? That's a complex question. Uh, I think when people think about chiropractic in general, they you're gonna have a specific uh, vision mm-hmm. of what you see. And, and for most people, that's gonna be uh, something like manual therapy based, where you're gonna go to the chiropractor, you're gonna get adjusted and it's gonna fix something. Right. Um, I have progressively been moving farther away from that type of model of, of, uh, of practice. Not that I don't do manual therapy because I think it's really valuable, but, um, I've worked, I've been working more towards back towards the exercise and the fitness. Um, and I think if you look at what it takes, what we know, you know, outs, even outside of chiropractic, what is the general consensus of what people, the baseline that people need to be healthy, um, mm-hmm. physical fitness is one of them. Sleep quality is another, nutrition and hydration. I would say mental health is really big. And then like management of any comorbidities, if you have anything Mm -hmm. else going on, make sure that's appropriately managed. So if you don't have, if you're not working on all of those or you have deficiencies in any of those areas, I think overall your health is gonna suffer and there's not Mm -hmm. a lot that can be done for you long-term unless you start to kind of work on those. And I don't, treat any of them other than physical fitness Mm -hmm. like that's the only thing that's really within my scope so for all the others if I have patients that need that I I like to co-manage and refer which is the great thing about the health center is I'd only have to refer down the hall because we (laughs) we deal with all of that Mm -hmm. there right Um, but the beautiful thing about fitness physical fitness is that and when I say fitness I'm talking about strength training and cardiorespiratory fitness is that the second and third order benefits for all of them that affect all those other areas. So it's effective for treating um, or helping manage mental health issues. It's effective for people with sleep problems. Um, Usually when people have comorbidities like diabetes, exercise is is really is vital to what they do. Um, Even there's a lot of research out there about cancer and how it can be Mm. um, affected positively with physical fitness. And then usually 
once people start to get fit, I feel like the rough conversations about nutrition become a lot easier because they start to see the changes and they want more Mm -hmm. and they're a little bit more open maybe to making some lifestyle changes. And that's really a great segue to get them talking to someone like Denise. Mm -hmm. Um, So Mm -hmm. see our last podcast. Yeah. Yes, exactly. I was interested when you were talking about sleep quality, could you touch a little bit more on that? Because we harp on getting like certain hours of sleep a lot, but what is a good distinction? Because I get on myself for that a lot because I'll, you know, snooze my alarm. I'm like, oh, I got more sleep, but was that even really good sleep? Yeah, I think you pretty much just described right there. I mean, I'm not an expert on sleep quality. I, I know enough about sleep hygiene to make some basic recommendations, but I think they look at like the amount of time you're in the bedroom versus the amount of time you're sleeping. Mm -hmm. And what does that ratio look like? How long it takes you to fall asleep? How many times you wake up? How easy it's to go back to sleep? So there's a lot of factors and that that itself is a whole specialty that uh, is not my specialty. So Mm -hmm. it's one of those things that sometimes people with sleep issues, if they get fitter, they sleep better. You know what I mean? So um, makes sense. Yeah. They're more, tired and they're they're getting energy out yeah. that they might sleep and, and it doesn't work like that for everyone and i think sometimes the simplest uh answer or explanation is probably the right one mm-hmm. um and oftentimes in healthcare we try and make things super complicated mm-hmm. so you know for someone who's dealing with sleep issues before maybe you go spend a bunch of time and money on products or or healthcare maybe if you're not fit you should just try getting fit you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Give it a try and see if it works because, you know, if you can improve your sleep doing squats and push-ups at home, it's, you know, it's better than, you know, getting like a machine for sleep apnea or something like that. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. and this isn't like healthcare advice I'm giving. I'm just saying, you know, give it yeah. a try. Try right. the easy stuff first mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. before you resort to spending time and money on expensive healthcare options. Mm-hmm. I recently read a book, uh, Why We Sleep. Uh, great book. And you ta- and, and then actually Jordan Peterson mentioned this in I think his 12 Rules book. But, mm-hmm. but both talked about kind of that simple explanation that if, if your goal is just to go to bed at the same time every night and wake up around the same time every morning, that's nine tenths of it. Yeah. And yet, as we're speaking to college students, that becomes pretty challenging, you know, because the sleep schedule is so erratic, but basically that the brain is kind of lazy and wants to know when it should be awake and when it should be asleep. And, and again, the college schedule certainly challenges that some. So yeah. I'm just wondering, Chris, if, if you, if, if someone were to come to you, you talking about moving a little bit more away from manual therapy and had what I would think would be a common problem, like lower back pain or something. What 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 are things you would do with them that's different from, okay, well, I'm going to ad- adjust your back? So no one has joint pain due to a deficiency in manual therapy. Hmm. So that's never really the answer, right? So I can use it as a tool. It's a great way to take the edge off uh, makes people feel better. It really helps build a therapeutic alliance, being able to put your hands some, on someone and, and let them know that like you're listening and you care. But, you know, it, it, it doesn't actually fix anything. So the I think the real uh, challenge and the real interesting thing about my job is is the conversation. So, you know, 
I subscribe to the the idea that 90% of my diagnosis comes from the history, just the interview, the conversation. Because a lot of times the patient has the answer. You just, they don't know it and they haven't connected the dots. Mm. So it it becomes, I think, similar to therapy in Mm. a way where it's just getting people talking and, and asking informed questions to try and figure out. And most of the time, especially for something like low back pain, it's multifactorial. If you try and boil it down to just one thing, you're, 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 you're going to miss the 10 other things that are contributing to yep. it. So a lot of times there's not a pathoanatomical answer for it, which a lot of people will call like nonspecific back pain. But to say nonspecific, I think makes sounds like you're taking it lightly. And I like the term multifactorial because it's, it's a little bit more inclusive. And even if you have an actual injury, like, like let's say you injure a tissue and it's, there's something that's torn, there's still other things that go along with the pain experience. Sure. You know, the uh, pain is contextual. Mm-hmm. Um, there's emotions that are involved with it. Um, your your daily life, what you do, your your patterns. There's so much that you have to your belief system. Mm-hmm. You know, if that's why I think I get a lot of people. A lot of people, it's me. Just like they come in and they're in, you know, they'll say they're in eight out of ten pain. But after I do a history and exam and I inform them that there's, I don't think that they're there's a lot going on. I think they're just going through an episode of pain. You know, the, the, all of a sudden the pain level goes down because hmm. the, the belief changes. Like they're not mm-hmm. walking or the disability kind of goes down because their perception of what's happening, you know, cause you don't know, like if you have intense low back pain or intense neck pain, anyone who's ever gone through that and it's comes up, you know, insidiously, like there's no injury. It just comes out of nowhere. You wake up with it. Like what, you, know, you don't know. So yeah. what, 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 how are you supposed to frame that in your mind? And a lot of times people get on Google and you know, they, or they listen to a friend who said something that scared them or, mm. you know, uh, there's just a lot of different things out there. And I, I, I'm not advocating that people don't research their own healthcare, but you know, just take it with a grain of salt. So, um, when I say that I'm moving away from manual therapy, I still do it on most of my patients, I just try not to make it the focus of the treatment. Mm. Mm-hmm. It is a means to an end to reduce the pain to a level where you can start moving again. Mm-hmm. And and the focus then is to get them physically stronger and more yeah, fit. Yeah, because I mean, like if you have low back pain associated with picking things up off the ground or squatting, mm-hmm. well, if you need to use the restroom, you need to be able to squat. So right. we kind of have to get back to squatting. And mm-hmm. if you're gonna pick up wet laundry off the ground, like. you know, deadlifting should be a tool that you use, but Mm -hmm. what you'll see, and I mean, I think intuitively is people will maybe go to the gym and they'll just avoid those activities Mm -hmm. because that's what causes pain. So you've got to find a very creative solution and a progression to get them back doing what they need to be able to do. And physical fitness tends to be a great way to improve the function and then improve their overall health. Mm -hmm. Um, And really their resistance to, you know, viral infections, you know, chronic diseases. That's ne- definitely doesn't cure anything or prevent anything, but I would say it makes people more robust. Hmm. So, you know, and they can withstand different stressors in the environment a lot better. Yeah. So, You're listening to Wellness Weekly on Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM. We're here with Dr. Chris Netley, our chiropractor at the Health Services. We're talking about physical fitness. Chris, you talked a bit about physical fitness generally, and you've touched on like deadlifts, squats. Could you walk me through, say someone comes 
to you and they want to get more physically fit because they do have that lower back pain or they just know I'm weak. What's the type of workout you would recommend or where would you start? I always start with a conversation um, because I need to know what their training history is. I need to know about their health history and not that I'm worried. Exercise is safe. You know Mm -hmm. I mean? Like that's the thing is if you, if you just put a bunch of people who don't know what they're doing in a weight room, I think like the biggest risk of injury is probably dropping a weight on their foot. You know what I mean? Like (laughs) doing something like that, like you're, they're probably not going to hurt themselves. So I don't want to sound like I'm screening patients to make sure that they're healthy. Everyone's healthy enough to exercise, Mm. but I need to understand like who you are, what you want, what your beliefs are. You know what I mean? Because if I, if I don't know what you want and why you want it, I can't help you Mm. because sometimes those don't match up. Like I've had Mm. people who, come in and say, well, I want to run a marathon. And I say, okay, great. Why? And I'm like, well, I want to lose weight. Hmm. And then in their mind, if they could run a marathon, that process would help them lose weight. Hmm. And then well, why do you want to lose weight? And there's usually like some type of um, health reason that they want. You know what I mean? So if they're looking to lose weight to become healthier, but they want to run a marathon, a, a marathon's great, but it's an incredibly unhealthy thing to do. You know what I mean? Hmm. Like, it's just, it's a grueling race. Mm -hmm. So I would want to make sure that like the goal and the reason why they have that goal lines up and I want to make sure they understand. And I want to make sure that I understand and that we're on the same page. So, so not just their goal, but, but also how they're going about accomplishing that goal is actually the most effective way to doing that. Yes. and And the reason why also gives you an idea of the, their dedication to it Mm -hmm. because you know, I can't want something more than a patient wants it for themselves. So yeah. if, you know, if, if it's not a huge goal, then I'm not going to make training sessions super hard for them. You know what right. I mean? Like yeah. if they're just, you know, not really invested into it, um, then that's fine. There's, mm-hmm. there really is nothing wrong with that. We can still get a lot done, but right. I'm not going to be working with them with the same intensity as I would mm-hmm. for someone who, you know, maybe has a more concrete goal with a very like emotionally attached reason. Mm-hmm. So I, in answer to your question, I, I would do what I would do for someone who has anything. I would just talk to them and I really yeah. try to understand what's going on and then get them moving as quickly as possible. So there, I think a lot of people have this idea that they have to get fit before they can get fit. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I've, anyone who's worked in the health industry or the fitness industry will you know, you talk to someone and they'll be like, well, that sounds great. I would really like to do whatever you're talking about, but first I need to get fit before I can sign up right. for a fitness. Yeah. Plan. And you're like, wait and a minute. Like, <laughs> so the, the best, yeah, the best time to start is literally today. Right. And yeah. I try not to prolong that. So yeah. usually mm-hmm. it's a session of me talking to them. Um, you know, from a clinical standpoint, I'll take their vital signs just to screen for anything crazy. Mm. Um, I also kind of like that data because if they have high blood pressure, you know, and maybe it's undiagnosed and, and we can start to work on that we can monitor it. Um, and if they've got any joint pain or anything, aches and pains or old injuries, especially people who've had surgery, mm. I'll look a little bit more closely at that joint yeah. just to check range of motion. Cause I, again, like I'm not really worried about injury, but I want to make sure that like, if I go out and crush someone in, in the first session, they're not coming <laughs> back and that becomes mm-hmm. a barrier right. to them getting fit and healthy. So mm-hmm. it's, 
it's almost a little bit like a courtship where I'm trying to figure them out Mm -hmm. and then I'm trying to build a a therapeutic relationship where they trust me enough to like put their health in my hands so that I can, they'll actually listen to what I'm telling Mm -hmm. them. Yeah. Well, I met with Chris back in December. I wasn't, I wasn't thinking I was necessarily going to share this today, but, but, you know, I was having some lower back pain and, and I, I, again, I thought it was interesting that one of the first things that you did was get me back in the weight room. And, and then you went to the weight room with me and I, I, I will say this cause it's actually quite embarrassing is that <laughs> yeah, I've probably been bench pressing for over 30 years. And one of the first things you said was, yeah, you're not really benching right. <laughs> and it's I went home and talked to my 16-year-old son who plays football and his football coach is a powerlifting coach and I and I said, "Hey, you know, Chris said this about." And he said, "Well, yeah, dad, you were doing it wrong." Um <laughs> so and actually that has been about 4 months of being in the weight room two or three times a week, which has actually been really good to just make time in the day. I haven't had any back issues since then. Um, and actually my shoulder that's a little sore sometimes is less sore and I'm not even really doing anything with it, um, but getting overall more healthy. So what you just said, I, I thought, well, yeah, that's actually been my experience from having spent just a little bit of time even with you to say, wow, I, I actually can see the benefits of that. Mm-hmm. I wondered, Chris, um, of just your time at Hillsdale so far, what have you noticed about Hillsdale students and physical fitness and commitment to that or whatnot. And for those students who, who want to get started, what would you encourage them to do to, to, to make some changes? But well, I've noticed that Hillsdale students are very committed to academics. Hmm. So everyone here is very serious about what they want to do. They're very serious about, uh, graduating and getting good grades and being productive members of society, whatever that means to them. Hmm. And I think that's their, seems to be the dominant focus. Uh, and everyone seems to be very receptive to wanting to train more. It's about time. Hmm. And, and I think that's, that's the, um, I don't want to call it a barrier, but it's the, it's because it, it doesn't restrict people like, completely but it's it's more of a hurdle it's something that like i think that is probably the most difficult thing to help students navigate is like how how could you potentially manipulate your schedule to actually Mm -hmm. make this a real thing Mm -hmm. and 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 i think uh that's got to be probably the most challenging thing for for most people on most college campuses but more so at hillsdale I, i feel like the academics here are i didn't go here so uh my college experience was not this difficult Mm -hmm. i don't remember it being as difficult as what some of the students say so Mm -hmm. um but yeah i I think that the students are eager uh it's just about helping them accomplish Mm -hmm. that goal yeah Yeah, i'd say from the student perspective time is a big issue because then we talked about sleep earlier Mm -hmm. and you're doing this cost benefit analysis of i try to get up early and work out but some mornings i'm like "Eh, i went to bed late if I don't get good sleep, it's not even going to be a productive workout. Right. So trying to balance mm-hmm. that. But kind of on that topic, what would you say to someone who likes to work out, tries to work out two to three times a week, is has a generally fit background, whether they did athletics in high school or even something here? What would you recommend mm-hmm. for them for just maintaining? Like Maybe they don't want to lose weight, but they just want to stay strong and know that 
exercise is a good thing to mm-hmm. have as a regular habit. So something that's sustainable. Yeah. Uh, I think first just being honest about where you are. So if you're, if you would classify yourself as sedentary, just move, do anything, go play ping pong once a day. Like it, it really like don't overthink it. Mm-hmm. Find something that fits into your schedule. Um, one of the, we're going to link some of the research that I did for this podcast in the description, but there's one in there about, it was a, a cohort study where they, uh, they had a, like 4,000 people wear an accelerometer for like seven days. So it basically just tracked their, their movement. Mm-hmm. And then they followed up with national death statistics over whatever period of time. And they found out that they, you have to look at the study to look at all their statistical analysis, but essentially the, the, if, if Americans, I think it was like 40 to 85 or older would increase moderate to vigorous activity at a minimal level daily, um, you, it would be like a hundred thousand deaths less per year to Mm. different variety of diseases. And what they, for minimal level was 10 minutes. Mm. Wow. So, if you so that could be a ten minute r- rigorous walk. Yeah. yeah, whatever rigorous means to you, right. I, I, you <clears> know <throat> what I mean. Like that's pretty variable. So if, if anyone, if any students out there would say that like they are sedentary, then just move ten minutes a day and like mm-hmm. it, play rigorous ping pong or get on some video game like a Wii or something. Like I, it doesn't really matter. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not really specific about that. Now if you're you know if you're active but not fit, you know like you're you get out, you move around. Uh, you play ping pong, you do all that stuff and, and, but you're not training, then start to do some training that you like. Mm -hmm. Again, the the best exercise is the one you'll actually do. So Mm -hmm. I, whatever, you know what I mean? Like if you're the kind of person who, you know, getting on an elliptical is is exciting to you, um, go do that. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? If you can't, if it's middle of winter and you don't want to walk, you know, uh, but you can, do some squats, do some squats. It, you, it's not about the best. It's just about being active. And we at the health center have adopted the guidelines, the physical fitness guidelines from the American college of sports medicine, the ACSM. And we did that because one, because they're awesome. And two, because, uh, that's what the physical wellness dynamics course on campus teaches. So every freshman gets it. And most people I talk to don't remember what those guidelines mm. are. So, you know, it, it's, um, strength training, some type of resistance training two to three times per week. And they have some specifics on there, but it's basically just, it, it could be body weight, just mm-hmm. doing some type of resistance training at least twice a week. And then 150 minutes of, uh, aerobic training at, uh, like, a, I think, uh, it's like a moderate intensity or 75 minutes at a more vigorous intensity or some kind of combination. And that would be spread out over like three to five days. So mm-hmm. if you're going to meet the ACSM guidelines, you're essentially doing something every day and it's something to get your heart rate up or, and, or something to, uh, stress your muscles. So, you know, you don't have to meet them. That would be the goal. Mm-hmm. But if you don't know what the activity guidelines are and you don't know what you're doing, then you don't know where you want to end up and you don't know where to start. So you're kind of lost. So I would say start to set some baselines and then set some activity goals and you don't have to set activity goals to meet the guidelines, but just set an activity goal. that's more than what you're doing now mm-hmm. and find a way that entertains you and that excites you. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that's really the best way. So there's no specific exercise or routine or anything that I would recommend, but awesome. That's all that we have time for today. But thank you so much, Chris, for coming on and for sharing your expertise. All right, Thanks, thank Chris. you.
That's all for another episode of Wellness Weekly on Radio Free Hillsville 11.7 FM. Come back next week and thank you for listening.